Anyway, so Emmanuel then puts Tito, her son, to bed, and then someone there's like some talk about religion in there. There's some dialogue. Uh, then are we talking about anal yet or not? Not yet. Oh no! So then I don't think so. Then Gazelle and Omar apparently have been together for like nine months, and there's like a whole contention there where um, Taylor, which is Gazelle's brother, is like, "You shouldn't be sexual," and she's like, "I'm 20 years old," and he's like 25. Um, you shouldn't be sexual is a great way to encompass what he's saying. You shouldn't be sexual is basically what he's saying, even though he doesn't say that explicitly. That's basically what he's saying. You should not be sexual. You should not be a sexual being. Uh, yeah, even and there's basically 100% Caesar as a sexual being, but whatever. Absolutely. Um, but so there's the whole thing of um, there's a whole there's like five, four or five different conversations happening all at once. A lot of it's about sex. I've kind of summarized it where they're talking about sex, religion, mm-hmm. drugs, and mm-hmm. sexuality. So like sex and sexuality are separate things. Mm-hmm. Like sexuality is like the general. Like I think specifically daddy and. Yeah, the, the other gay, gay guy. guy. Yeah, the other gay guy. Yeah. Um, right. The two of them are kind of talking about sexuality and um, daddy sort of being like, you know, take it slow. Um, so they're talking about sexuality, whereas like some of the other people are just talking about sex. Well, um, to me, that scene is more, I don't know, the way I, I watch it is always like, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like a party, how a, fo- how a party feels like to me. It's like party yeah. conversations, you know, everybody's talking about like shit like that, you know, and like pairs or freeze. And it's just like stuff like that. It's gossiping about other people. It's, you know, we got two guys that are very explicitly talking about having sex with older girls at the party in different configurations and just keep talking about it. Um, there's girls gossiping about the, uh, about the guy who's having sex with everyone. Um, yeah, there's just some drug conversations going on about this and that. There's this conversation between uh, Sophia and Daddy as well, I think, right? Uh, where Sophia is like, not interested in what he's saying at all he just keeps talking about like important like you know kind of more ambitious stuff and she just doesn't listen at all it feels to me just like a party it kind of sets up a party for me this is how a party feels yeah. to me you've gone into a party and it's like all those sorts of conversations going on that's mm-hmm. kind of how it goes the, the dialogue in this film isn't super important <laughs> i would say um, it's kind the of anal, there's the a bit an- of exposition but the anal conversation is kind of funny i think you would think i think it's like it's really stupid and it's like kind of funny in a way of like yeah you know people like that who talk like that or like i don't know like to to a degree maybe not to an extreme like this but this is exploitation film so it's kind of like amplified but this kind of i don't know it's like it's so explicit that at some point i just i don't know it kind of becomes kind of abstract to me so it's kind of funny makes sense uh, no, to me, it's just like all, all those things, like both things that you mentioned, like two angles to take this. But I guess if should one look for meaning in all of this, uh, even though there needn't be one. First off, with Emmanuel and Tito, that's the Walkman that I mentioned. It's just there in the background. Oh, yeah. that should you look for any clue? But honestly, I, I think it's just it, it doesn't really matter. And... Um, it's a very convenient thing that Gaspar Noah does, like with the with the caption at the beginning, and then just not going further into the the time setting of the film. Um, it's just like those conversations obviously are exploring the themes of the movie, and if you want to pay attention to like where characters start and what they end up with, and I don't know, as usually you do on the podcast, and as usually you do in the movies, 
you're kind of looking for the meaning like did that person deserve that and why is that thing happening to that person this is the moment that you can kind of get that from um so there are also other than sex and sexuality and drugs um there are discussions about guts there are discussions about france and the french flag um yeah, yeah they keep that, talking about the french flag freaking them out it's like people are yeah. freaked out by the french flag being there exactly. in the middle of the room and then like with the god like what does the god have to do about dancing when i guess it's you know um it, it's kind of a thing mentioned in the auditions too that you know in dancing it's all about like being equal and all about physicality and all about skills and kind of feeling the rhythm um and then specifically with daddy and um sophia because i will just keep on calling her like that uh, yeah. there is something more important happening other than the fact that she's not interested it's kind of edited in a way as she's just looking at david yeah, um, yeah. which is why she's not interested but then other thing is that possibly but another thing is that like you know he's asking her things like do you want kids and what about marriage and, and yeah. then this keeps on going on. i mean she basically mentions it's kind of her possibly screaming in the movie for the first time being like those are all stupid questions and you know i kind of sick of hearing those questions and to me, the way i look at it there's a connection i take it i'll leave it period and leave it as not leaving it you know that connection leaving it as you know exiting it more of like live it as you know it being alive uh, and then i move on next um which is you know if if you kind of look closer when it comes to the relationship between her and david throughout the whole movie it resonates to me though this is like the definition of like a conversation that takes place at a party right before something happens and everybody gets really drunk it's like mm -hmm. this place right before in time this place in time right before where somebody's like oh so do you want kids do you believe in god and the other person's like oh no i want a party for all, all eternity it's all great it's all great and then it kind of mm -hmm. everything falls down that's kind of how it feels to me you know i'm sure like I, you know I agree. Um, yeah and like you know i think climax can work as a as a film where you try to dig in and it's a film where you can dig something mm -hmm. out of it and it can kind of work. And that's kind of also why it works. Uh, where, whereas in previous Gaspar Noe films, it kind of, you know, you don't have to dig and Gaspar is afraid that you're not going to even try. So he tries to kind of put it more to the front. So you mm -hmm. make he tries to make sure that you notice that he's doing something. He kind of tries to push it, to push it onto you. But yeah. regardless, I don't think Gaspar has that much to say either in Climax or in the previous films. I agree. And if anything, like those are the movies to be experienced and not to thought about, but at the same time, as we, as we mentioned at the beginning, like uh, when you watch a movie like this for another time, you kind of do notice the decisions. And I guess the questions yeah. I had in my head the whole time is like, why do I like this movie the most from all those movies? Yeah. yeah. Um, and it is an experience, but also there are those things that are kind of laid it out for you in a, more natural way and that obviously may have something to do with the yeah. dancers and not the actors yeah for sure it definitely makes more sense in this film as well because yeah you get that exposition in a context that yeah it's also it makes sense conceptually as in that's the part before the party where everything gets crazy and you can kind of i think understand that as that part of the party because this film is a party kind of i don't know that's how it feels to me 
It's like mm -hmm. an experience of a party. Um, so you kind of get this with it and you can kind of dig in a little bit, get to know the characters. It's not hitting you over the face with it. It's kind of there. You take as yeah. much as you want from it. It's not the subtlest, subtlest thing that you've ever seen, but you know, it's fine. You can kind of get what you need from it and then go on and enjoy the film. That was a cold take. It's a cold take. I am the logical person. So here. cold. Um, okay, so we've had the whole chatter. They have all their party chatter. Um, and then there's a really long dance sequence. And this is about half, approximately halfway through the film. And I we paused. Get it's exactly halfway through we get the title screens. Yeah. Oh, wow. We get, yeah, so we, we get the credits of the cast. So we find out the like names of the people who are yeah. in the film. And then. Um, one of the so I think it's it's the two blondes who look the exact same one of them goes up to the other and it says I feel weird and the other one's like go drink some water mm -hmm. and then everyone is just you kind of it shows around the room everyone's a bit like lethargic and slow and just generally fucked up but like still kind of dancing they're like dancing they're all kind of I guess like feeling themselves I don't know um, and it's, um, Psyche pees herself just on the dance floor. Oh, okay, so we're sorry. <laughs> yeah, we went, we went for the dancing. Yeah, the overhead shot of the dancing. Gotcha. Yeah, um, they are dancing, but they're obviously dancing in a totally different way. And the visual look of the movie changes too. It's more yeah. like handheld, like you're more on the floor, less of a God's eye point of view, whatever. Like, uh, sure. which is why also those, like them dancing, look so weird after, you know, 45 minutes of them looking so gorgeous while dancing. It also escalates, it gets worse and worse, and then at the end it kind of starts being them kind of falling over and over again and mm -hmm. stuff being spilled on the floor as well. Like they start spilling the drinks and it starts looking like blood because they spilled the sangria and it's like all blood and like because it's overhead it kind of looks like they're just you know laying in all this mess. It's kind of interesting. Looks I also nice. wanted to ask you about crazy credits because like crazy credits in movies, or we don't have time to talk about that. Well, you mean like Mandy, like having the title of the film in the middle of the film? Things like this, yeah. Yeah. Like it's like it looking for takes. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. I feel like it's, I guess it's interesting, but I don't think it really is doing much. I like it here. I think it's fun. I like it here. I think it's fun. But again, I feel like I don't... I don't feel like I see it and I think, oh, this means this or this means that or this is significant mm -hmm. because oh, yeah. it just sort of happens and I'm like, okay. It's like, a, in this film, it's like a musical number. So it kind of makes sense to me that it kind of starts mm -hmm. dropping names on you in the middle of it. I feel like a part of the reason that I like it and I think it works in this is because it happens kind of when the action is starting. So like the first half has sort of been, we've been learning with everybody. We've been getting sort of a general gist of the situation and now everything shit's, shit's going, shit's happening. Shit's going. No one says that. Mm -hmm. Shit's yeah. in the fam. Like things are going down. Everyone's getting fucked up. Now we're going to find out the cast. So it's kind of like, listen, the first half of the film has been this, but now it's really getting started. So I think I like it in this because it seems like it does mean something and it makes sense that it's coming halfway through, but still it wouldn't i don't know if it makes much of a difference in terms of like my experience of the film i think it does because like subconsciously like credits are there to kind of comfort you at the end of the movie like mm -hmm. you have that time to process it process what you saw and process you know your thoughts um whereas here just like oh no okay like all the credits <laughs> like it's done 
now it's like all or nothing. Yeah. And then the music is just like so fucking well synchronized, like all those captions and all those titles. With music. I cannot get enough of it. I really like the icons they have for all the roles in the film. I didn't even notice it the first time around, but they have an icon for everybody that's doing a job in this film, like a camera or sound or whatever. And I don't even know what all the Gaspar Noe ones are. I guess the last one is like a smiley face with a that looks like kind of an LSD thing. So I guess that's directed, but it kind of looks weird. I guess I'm also damaged because I'm looking for meanings and meaning in movies or whatever, but it kind of felt to me the last time I watched it like this is some of the, I don't know what's the, what's the name in English, but like um, you're basically listing the people that are already dead. There's something about it. Er, er, Erbituary? Obituary, yeah. Obituary. Oh, okay. Mm. Okay. Oh, it doesn't feel very dead to me. It feels very alive when they're doing it here, but okay. Uh, just like the list of those names, like, as you know, that it's about to break loose. It's like, say goodbye to them. Those are the people you were watching. Yeah, the yeah there's, I, I do agree that there's something about it that, that kind of takes away the safety of you watching this film and you being like, well, okay, here it is. Now get into it. You know, um, there's something about that. There's also, you know, I don't, I don't know, like credits are just part of the film language, so you can kind of have fun with it, which is this film is kind of a lot of, you know, just kind of having something that happens in film and then having fun with it, you know? It's good. I like it. It's Thanks. like Man Great. on the Moon. Great. Remember Man on the Moon? So, anyway. No, no one's seen that before. Not nobody so, cares about Man on the Moon. Okay, let me get us back on you the song track. by R.E.M.? <laughs> Oh my god, nobody's gonna listen to this episode ever. So, so everybody's fucked up. And hey. they're like, what's going on? And then Selva goes to Emmanuel, who has made the sangria, and she says, what have you done? Or something like that. And then Selva yeah. just kind of wanders off. Um, Lou is trying to help Selva, because she's like, oh, what's wrong? And she goes over, and whatever Selva does, she's like, um, Lou's just like, you're all too drunk, I'm going to bed. Um, and then everyone starts accusing Emmanuel of spiking the sangria, but she's like, I also drank it. Like, I, why would I do that? I drank it as well. Um, and the, so then they turn on Omar instead because he doesn't drink. So they're like, it was him. He did it. And then they just throw him outside. Yeah. Yeah. My then, notes are illegible at this point. This is a really hard film to take notes at. I don't know. Like I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah. There's a lot going on. It's kind of, it all sort of happens at the end. Like I feel like the first my notes for the first, literally the first half of the film are three pages and then it just kicks off. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they throw Amr outside. The editor will find it comforting, but for me, it's the other way around. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's good. That is not comforting <laughs> at all, I'll be honest. No, literally, um, like, you know, until the point I'm like, all the notes, the notes and the context and then I'm like, okay, everything is upside down. I'll just enjoy this. Oh, okay. Oh, right. well, okay. I get that. that. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Um, yeah, so they, they throw him outside and then someone is like, oh, I guess Coke is the remedy. Let's just have some cocaine. That'll make it better. <laughs> Which is a good um, way yeah, to think about yeah, all this. Yeah. Let's just snort some Coke. And so there's one woman who's kind of established as like the, the druggie. That's what she's referred to. Um, yeah. yeah, she's she referred coke, to that. Yeah. And she's basically the person who has Coke. She's seen snorting Coke earlier on and it's like, Someone goes up and they're like, look, I need some Coke. And she's like, I ran out. And they're like, oh, no. So they ask someone else. Or no, they ask someone else first. They ask Selva first. Selva's like, I don't have any. Ask the druggie. She asks the druggie. 
the drug is like her name is apparently jennifer and jennifer's like no i don't have any on molly and she's like oh fine um and then in the background when this kind of whole there's a disastrous exchange happening about everyone's fucked up and we just see tito in the background yeah. glugging down the sangria tito does drink the the sangria so which tito is, uh... drinks the sangria and Emmanuel and I, I don't know everyone if it's out. really mentioned I'm not sure if it's mentioned until the end but like there's LSD in the sangria that's basically what's happening they're all like oh it's been spiked it's LSD um, and then Emmanuel notices that Tito's drinking the sangria and she's like no uh, she says they're all crazy in here and she locks Tito she does a really sensible motherly thing and she locks Tito in like the fuse box room and she's like, don't touch the fuse box, little yeah. six-year-old child. Oh, boy. Please don't, please don't touch there's, the fuse box. There's an You've actual just... moment. Yeah, the box Go is ahead. open, and she's like closing it very motherly, like very carefully. And just, don't do yeah. Don't do she's like, don't touch it. And she knows that he has just ingested something not right. He's just ingested a hallucinogen. And she's like, listen, I know you're on some pretty hard drugs right now, but just, just don't touch the fuse box, please. Wait it out. Um, just wait it just out. Just wait it out. Just listen. Just ride the high, Tito. Yeah, this is what it's all about. Ride the high. Um, so that happens then. Um, if there's Selva... She, she flat out locks him there. She locks him, she locks him in there. Yeah. Which, in one way, you can see why that would be a logistical thing in the sense of, I want to keep my child away from all these fucked up people. But the problem is, the child has also ingested the thing. So the child is just as much of a risk to themselves as everyone else is. Um, so next, Ivana, Selva wants... It's pretty funny somewhere. how ridiculous that is, at least to me. That's yeah. like a full-on exploitation, <laughs> old exploitation film ridiculous thing that's set up just to make something terrible happen later on. It's like, you know, this... right away, it's just the most terrible thing they could have done to this child. But in the same sense, I don't think it's like super out of the... Like, it's not out of the realms of possibility either. It's like, I mean, I think that... If it, well, someone was on LSD, exactly, I feel yeah. like that makes sense. Find the room that has a lock, lock the child in there to protect them from everyone else. But the problem is, is the LSD. Anyway, everybody's high, so you know everything goes. Everyone's like... high, yeah. Um, so Selva wanders off, and Ivana follows her, and we basically get like a tour of the rest of the building, kind of, so, like the the different mm-hmm. rooms. So like mm-hmm. Lou is getting sick in her room, and then she tells Selva that she's pregnant. Then Dom comes in. Um, and she accuses Lou of drugging them because I guess she's kind of realized, hey, someone else wasn't drinking. And then mm-hmm. she, uh, Lou's like, no, I'm pregnant. And then Dom's like, ha, yeah, right. And she knees her in the stomach. And then Lou falls to the ground. And she starts kicking her. And this is where the film gets quite, it starts to get quite upsetting. It's like, hey, you know the way they're all drugged and having fun? Ha ha. Guess what? I know they were all a bit stressed, but now it's getting serious. Yeah, this this scene is the most like old school no way, I guess, in the whole film. Yeah, it's quite upsetting. So she's basically just like kicking her in the stomach and being like, no, you're not pregnant. And it's like, oh, but she is. And I think you've maybe just killed her child. Um, And then Lou is like, call yeah. an ambulance. And everyone's like, I don't know, I'm on LSD. I'm not. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, like the call the ambulance thing just kind of pops up in this scene and then never comes back ever again. Mm-hmm. It's just like some quick idea that somebody has at some point, but it's like, yeah, that's yeah, basically it's the nineties. Yeah, it's the nineties. There's just <laughs> what, like a landline? Who would use that? That's crazy. <laughs> I also yeah. think that there is there is just the thing of like, even if it was set now, I think there's that concept of I can re- I can kind of recall from like being a drunk teenager, like a drunk underage teenager, 
and I know it's a very much different situation, but like in the sense of when your brain isn't fully there, if there's something that's the logistical thing to do, your brain is like, no, but we're doing something wrong. So we shouldn't do it because, because we'll get in trouble. But it's like, that's the whole thing about drugs. I think it's one of those things that hospitals and everything are always like, if you have overdosed on a drug or if you're under the influence of something bad is happening, even if it's with an illegal substance, the best thing to do is to call the ambulance or to call the police so that you stay safe and that you can get the help you need. It's like, you're not going to be arrested for being under the influence. Like it's the most important thing is to just get yourself better. But I think that's kind of from one avenue, there's this point of like, maybe it's not a phone. Everyone's too fucked up to even take note of the comment of call the ambulance. But also I feel like there'd be that thing of like, but if we call the ambulance, we'll be in trouble. So yeah, exactly. I think that, I mean, I'm not the best person to talk about this because I have very little experience in taking drugs. But I think if you're on drugs, <laughs> the first thing you, you think about when you're like, oh, let's call an ambulance is like, oh, they're going to know I'm on drugs. So it's definitely going to be my fault, mm-hmm. like everything. So you don't want to call the police or ambulance or anything because you're like, oh, but I'm on drugs. So I, I definitely shouldn't tell anybody that I'm on drugs because mm-hmm. that's the worst thing I can do right now. That's like I once got it. I was high and I got pizza with my friends and I had to go to the door and I was too high and I was like oh my god they're gonna know he's gonna know and he's he's gonna tell someone that I'm high and he's not gonna give me my pizza and I took the pizza and I went in I was like he knew so it's like it's like no one gives a fuck no he's not gonna gives. give you your pizza he's, he did I'm sorry um, I'm, I'm sorry madam you're too high to have that pizza, <laughs> too high to have that pizza. I feel like it would be the opposite it's like you really need this really you're incredibly high you need this pizza very badly um yeah I would so, also like to highlight the the dodgy shady location that we're in which supposedly is a dance studio but also we all know it's some sort of a garage <laughs> or, um, it's a warehouse <laughs> yeah it's like, a, I an abandoned school there <laughs> Yeah, definitely not. It's an abandoned school. It's an abandoned school in Paris. That's where they filmed it, in yeah. an abandoned school in Paris. So in the um, film, probably not so much, but that's what it is. Yeah, I also want to say that um, this time when I was watching it, like all of it is very long shots. Like, I don't know, because it's like, yeah, it's basically a long shot after a long shot. There's really yeah. no quick cuts anywhere. Well, the, the first time I watched it in the cinema, I guess because I was writing a review, I was more focused on it. So I was kind of counting the shots. So I was more aware of when the cuts were and stuff. This time, mm-hmm. like, I have no idea. So it just felt like one long shot to me. It yeah. just kind of all flew by. And I was like, I have no idea where the cuts were. So it just all feels like one long shot to me when I think about it now. So that's kind of cool. It does have that vibe. It's it's just an amazing craft specifically from the cinematographer because you know it you're so engaged that you're not even thinking about it. Yeah. I don't know much other than I, I did read somewhere that supposedly um there is a continuous forty minutes shot. I um, could hundred percent believe that, yeah. Um and you know, that's not a new thing for Noah either. You know, reversible starts with the long shot, you know, that's seemingly takes forever to finish and it does feel like that as well and uh, this has a few like that and yeah it definitely all feels like one continuous experience once they finish the second dance sequence i guess mm-hmm. to me there are a lot of questions in this section like they're all like shouting at each other these questions that are just you know i understand it's a very like you know that does happen when you're high but like you know why are you doing this to me why did you do it it was her i don't know will somebody help me exactly it's like these are unreasonable questions really like it's 
the reason she did it is because she's high on drugs. Yeah. That's why she did it. Um, yeah, so basically that happens. Lou has to call the ambulance and then the Coke girl, who I've learned her name is Jennifer. Um, I called her Coke girl. Uh, I wasn't comfortable with calling her druggie, so I called her Coke girl. She's snorting Coke, as Coke girls often do. Um, and the, the person who asked her for some like pushes her and then she falls onto a flame mm-hmm. and her hair goes on fire. I guess the flame... So I've... Don't I don't know about cocaine in terms of how you prepare it. Um, I'm I'm more of a just like a cooking regular food type of gal. I just like you know like to make fried eggs stuff like that. Um, but like she is that what you have to do with coke? What's she doing? Or is it something different? Is it meth? Because don't you like or heroin? You like you cook heroin on a spoon mm-hmm. and crack. I think. I don't know. Okay, yeah. listen. There's. No, I'm trying to explain the. F- All I know about like serious drugs is the knowledge that I get from movies, but. <laughs> with, no, no, no. With crack, like you smoke it. I mean, you do yeah, you smoke do that. I think like, so. Yeah. In Moonlight, for example, like there's a whole scene in the car when Naomi Harris is like just. Yeah. Smoking the shit out of it, and then with cocaine, you're just obviously you snore it, and then yeah, heroin. Into I'm just trying to work yeah, out why there's har- a flame. Heroin, you have to cook, yeah. You cook it and then you inject it. You get All it I'm that I do trust Gaspar Noah that he is like he, yeah, he probably knows. Yeah, absolutely. So Whatever there's either way that she was doing. It was definitely something that happens. Yeah. So there's a flame and there's a flame there for I guess cocaine reasons. Who knows? Um, and she goes on fire and the girl who pushed her is like, "Ha! This is gas. This is so funny." <laughs> and then we hear Tito screaming, "Mommy!" Um, um, will, which is yeah, quite distressing um, and then Lou, we kind of just see Lou like bearing witness to everything um, seeing all the fucked up things going on everyone's just completely in bits and then Dom turns everyone against her and is like, look, she spiked us and everyone's like, what? Uh, and they're like, you're not pregnant, you should abort her or whatever and she starts yeah. to like, she punches herself in the stomach um, she's, and then she starts bleeding and then everyone is like encouraging her to kill herself. It's yeah. very upsetting. And then she starts like cutting herself. She slits her arm and she slits her cheek. It's not nice. Yeah, that's the most upsetting thing to me. Yeah, like, definitely. I think it's, it's the most upsetting because um, because Lou is having a mental breakdown and she's the only one. Well, one of the only. Well, she's the only one. She's the only one in the building who isn't on LSD. She's the only one who's completely not under the influence and she's literally just being influenced by everyone else and how they're behaving towards her. And I feel like there's an element of like, she's just lost hope for the world. Like she's, I think it's that kind of thing of like someone who has become pregnant. It's their first time. They haven't got anyone kind of going through it with them. And it's like seeing the world around you and being like, I'm bringing like a human into this. This is a terrible place to be. And it's the whole, I think that's kind of, sort of pointed out in the start when she says this is a bad place for a kid or something like that it's like she's seeing all this and she's like if i'm bring- i don't want to bring a child into this world this is horrible so i think that's yeah. part of like what contributes to her mental breakdown but the fact that she's not on the influence of everything or of anything just makes it more upsetting to me yeah I, I think for me it's harder to see her being kind of kicked in the stomach and kind of the whole miscarriage thing that's kind of influenced from outside is kind of the scariest thing to me because i don't know there's 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 something about just that act of violence that makes it really scary to me or just really uncomfortable that you know that that thing that's happening to you is 
influenced by somebody outside in that way is just very uncomfortable to me. So maybe, yeah. I don't know, th those are, you know, those two scenes are kind of connected under the flip side of the coin or, you know, they're, they're kind of going together. This is this segment of the film and it's definitely the hardest one in general. But I think it's hardest to me to, to see her being punched in the stomach and stuff. You know, this when she's cutting herself, yeah, it's hard. But um, mm. I don't know. I, I'm starting to see the possession stuff creeping in. It's going to come back later on. But, like, this is where the possession starts, you know. <laughs> the possession references mm. kind of start coming in. So yeah. I, The reason why it's most upsetting to me, it's actually, I think, I, the way I think about this is there are like two scenes that kind of build up to this. First one is Omar getting kicked out because yeah. this is basically what happens to to loot too. Uh, and then her being kicked. But with Omar, you don't really care as much. It's hard to explain. Like obviously, you know, he's not that well established of a character. And then yeah. her being kicked, like there is a very obvious, very clear, you know, someone is doing the wrong thing to someone who's innocent. Whereas here, first of what upset, like what upsets me the most is that they start with just like you know knife and kill yourself or whatever. You didn't drink the sangria, so you must be the one who drugged all of us. But then very quickly they just go on about like kill yourself and kill that child. I would abort it if I were you. And who's the dad and whatever? Just basically not even start shaming her, but like shaming her for whoever it is that she is, and then. She's doing that harm to herself. I think that's the most upsetting yeah. part. And you've also got you've also got Daddy says something, and I feel like the, the this part was like one of the most striking to me as part of this whole sort of arc is that Daddy at the start was very much seen. The, I mean, his name is Daddy. He's like mm -hmm. seen as this sort of patriarchal like figure who, in some way, kind yeah. of looks after them all. Is like a bit wiser than all of them, even like wiser than Selva. And he's kind of, I think, handling it seems like he's handling the drugs better than most of them. I mean, a lot of them are riding the high oh, yeah. in, a, in a way that's fun. Like so not all of them are completely breaking down. Um, some of them are having a lot of fun, but like, he's not, he's not going through it as badly, but he's still very much influenced by them. And like he says to Lou, he, when she's, when they're saying that she's pregnant and he's like, who would want you or something like that. And that's just like really striking. Cause like, that's not nice. And he's seen as this like character who cares about all of them. And it's, he just completely turns on her from the influence of everybody else. And also yeah. drugs. Oh, I think another thing about like when she, um, with this scene, I think I find it more upsetting when she's inflicting on herself, just because that's, she's just been driven to that by everyone else, everyone else's behavior. It's not even, it's not even a thing of like someone who's completely under the influence and while it's not right, they're still drugs, completely yeah. fucked up. They're doing it. It's her who is completely sober, just having a complete breakdown and reflecting on herself. And as well, like, it's not just the fact that she cuts herself, but she like punches herself in the stomach. So she's like, I, she's kind of a, like aborting the baby in a way. Like yeah. if the kicking didn't do it, she's like, I'm going to end this because I don't want to, I don't want to bring mm -hmm. this into the world. It's sad. It just looks very fucking real. Like this blood is yeah. not yeah. Like film like. It's not corn syrup. I mean, yeah. it probably is, but like. I fucking you know. hope so because it looks so authentic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I definitely agree with Daddy. If if you think about it, like that's, it's not only in the name. Like it's very well established in the movie. Like Selva goes to him the moment that like the bad trip is kicking in. She's like, Daddy, what is it? Daddy, what's going on? Daddy's giving out advices at the beginning, not only to Riley, but also just like in general, like 
not only about sex and sexuality, but also just like drugs and partying. And, you know, you worked hard, you need to enjoy yourself. And then there's this pairing of, at the beginning of the movie, of Daddy and Emmanuel, like the mother figure and the father figure. I don't know. I yeah. think like, you know, all those things combined and kind of, that's what makes you think that Daddy should be the one who's like... Yeah. Who's... Uh, I think as well. Daddy, yeah. Daddy comes back as the character who's kind of the daddy later on as well in the film, where he's definitely a character that kind of is the like the the baseline for everything that's going on uh mm -hmm. but also his reaction to everything going on is like yeah when he hears that his drinks were spiked he's like oh that's why i feel so shit yeah and that's kind of it yeah 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 and i mean this. with and the same with like with emmanuel's like the mother figure it is that kind of thing of like both of them just sort of losing not losing that authority but like sort of at least for emmanuel it's like she essentially like she's somehow involved her child in this whole scene like there was cocaine it's not like it's not like this was a completely like pc or like it's it's not like it was a completely pg yeah. party there was cocaine at it there was sex there was everything you know it's not like it was just this nice little party and she had her child there so there's i think there's that element of like she's failed her child daddy's like failed this group of people by just like his behavior at least towards lou so it's like a whole kind of cycle of things Mm. There, there, no there is that but there's also what she talks about at the beginning like she's like i i was a dancer like i was there on the other side of the dance floor i was there dancing with them but then this thing happened and no one thinks about me like that anymore it's also mm -hmm. maybe in some sense like both of them not being able to let that go yeah that exactly yeah so that's the sad part. That's the sad. Now, that's the, sad the next part, the the next part is kind of, and it's interesting because you kind of see people riding the different levels of the high. So like next, Selva is very much having a breakdown, and I feel like there's a part of it that is just influenced by the fact that she's kind of brought all these people together as the choreographer, and mm -hmm. she's the reason in a way that all this is happening like she hasn't spiked the drinks but she's the reason they're all there in the first place it's sort of that always that guilt of being the host that a lot of things would have that it's like oh none of this would have happened if you guys weren't here if i didn't ask you here etc um <clears throat> so she's breaking down and her skin i guess feels horrible because she's like scrubbing it and like splashing water on herself on herself she puts her legs under her or her <laughs> she puts her legs under her tights she puts her hands under her tights all that kind of thing just oh. to try and like soothe her skin somehow are we talking about that okay well yes, this is go on this, yes that's why well, this is the possession this is the possession scene okay all right okay mm -hmm. so here here i go off about possession thank you uh <laughs> so this this scene is a uh, basically a retelling of the possession metro scene um it's just such a direct nod and it's kind of hard not to notice it if, you, if you've seen Possession because it's so similar in how she behaves and acts. You know, it's, it's very much like kind of through the drug lens. You know, it's, um, it's different because Isabella Gianni in, the, in Possession is, you know, not really under drugs. She's just possessed, I guess you could say. I guess I don't want to give too much away about the film. But yeah, Possession also has like a very long shot that's just, Isabel Ajani freaking out in the metro station and then she's screaming and it's very like kind of out very acting very much like you know uh, amplified painful hard to watch scene and this is very much a nod to that it, it feels kind of filtered through like Suspiria stuff because it's so colorful and well possession is very gray 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so this kind of feels like a nod to this. I mean, it is clearly, and it's kind of like a retelling of this. And I think it's done really well. I, I um, you know, I love Possession so much, and it's kind of hard sometimes to see a film that you love being retold on screen mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because there's a lot of dangers that kind of come with it because. Yeah, the metro scene is one of a kind, I think. And nothing else like this in cinema has been done. It's really, it's so hard to watch. Even on YouTube, when you watch that scene itself, it's, it's really hard. Um, and this feels fun in a way, I guess. It feels very, um, it's hard hitting, but in a different way. I think it's, um, I think it's, uh, it's a good way to do it because it's like, it's taking the basis of what the possession scene is and then filtering it what the film is about which is about drugs and you know more influenced by like more uh exploitation cinema you know which possession i think is not really uh so it's like more you know direct in what it's about and um yeah it's just very much focused on sophia doing her thing and letting her do her thing and um yeah i really like it i like it as a nod because it's like it's not trying to do the same thing as possession but it's taking that basis and trying to do something new with it so yeah, I do appreciate it a lot for what it is. Um, and I think it's probably one of Gaspar's better nods <laughs> that he did because it doesn't feel like it's just stealing. I think it's very apparent in what it is and where it's taking it from, but then it also kind of takes it within the film. It does something, you know, of its own in a way, you know, it's, you know, it's not a painful kind of, oh, this is what I'm talking about kind of moment in the film. It's just a fun thing. So, you know, rendition. Fun, fun, fun. I did it. It's over. Thank you. Well done. No, I Thanks, I wrote, she screams and goes on her own journey. She's a drag addict's icon. Because I really think that's is very wise of what she's doing. She's going apeshit and then she, she sits down. She's taking control of her body, breathing. I think she's doing her best. Yeah. I would also like to point out one thing, and that's about how Abby should not watch other Gaspar Noé's movies, and I won't spoil anything, but Gaspar Noé definitely has a thing for corridors and halls and passages. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking apparent that the moment I, right now, I, I see like a corridor in his movie, I'm like, okay. Yeah. And I would yeah. only mention it, like name drop things, no spoilers, and I, and I stand alone, it's a tunnel, the character goes very, very openly and explicitly about the tunnel. In Irreversible, it's quite obvious if you've seen the movie, there is a passage. Yep, and there's a the passage. Yeah. Yeah, points it out to you. Um, Enter the Void, it's, it's all about the character going through different corridors. Wow. And right now, yeah, the climax. And then also, uh, he does have a thing about like violence in the face. I know it's not really, you know, properly like proper English but like there is something about like hitting someone in the face or cutting someone's face or destroying someone's face or cutting someone's head off um he does like that um mm. I'm definitely like I haven't seen Which, I Stand- like both of those things are happening in that scene yeah for sure I haven't seen I Stand Alone but yeah the, the reversible scene yeah I, I think it's kind of clear when she goes into the like the dark red of the passage between the places right because there's this the, there's the woods room which is kind of greenish and between that and like the main area there's like a red corridor with like an exit sign mm-hmm. and yeah that red corridor where the camera kind of tends to flip around and start being upside down 
definitely mm -hmm. has the reversible tunnel feel. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you think about it, there's um, the green corridor. I mean, there's a red dance floor. Then yeah. there's like the red section, which is not very clear. You can leave. That's where the child is being left and whatever. Yeah, like kind of the, the in-between part. Yeah. Then there is a corridor, which I would argue is still green. Yeah, OK. Then, then you have the little red section. Then you go for another corridor, which is more of a yellow situation. That's where the yeah. rooms are placed. Yeah. And then the rooms, there's blue. Yeah, blue yeah. in the rooms itself, yeah. yeah. Oh, so next, next up, after Selva's going through all that, Emmanuel has basically lost the key to the room that she locked Tito in, which is so funny and it shouldn't it's, it's be, funny. but it just like is. She's like, I like, Selva's like, let her out, or someone is like, let him out. And she's like, I lost the key. And, <laughs> and Tito's screaming. And the thing is that what kind of, I guess what I, for some reason didn't register in my brain when I first watched it, but this time did. And I was like, oh, ouch, that hurts me. Is that like Tito's screaming and he's like, oh, there's something moving in here. And I was like, oh, maybe it's a rat. And then I'm like, no, wait, he's tripping. Like he's also high on hallucinogenic drugs. So he's like tripping in there. And I guess he's stuff moving and he's like, no, there's something moving. He's screaming hysterically because he's alone tripping on LSD and he's about six years of age and he's locked in a room. Yeah. It's a whole, like, it's layers and layers of nightmare fuel. And I don't know, the, the, the first time I was watching it, I'm also like, right away, I'm like, okay, Gaspar is going to kill that boy. Yeah, why else is he there? Like, yeah. It's also layers of layers why I dislike that character of Emmanuel so much. And that's, I guess, where that part of her acting comes in, because I don't think it was supposed to be funny. I mean, it is a funny thing it is a funny situation if you think about it but i don't think it was calling for laughter and her acting does i think there's yeah, um that's true I, I think there's more space and climax though for it to be funny than in like something and you know irreversible or whatever you know like there's more space for it to be funny because it doesn't explicitly tell you that it's serious like there's you know i i, I don't think it's supposed to be but also I don't think it minds that much whether it's funny or not, which kind of makes a lot of difference to me when I'm watching it. <laughs> and about that scene, like Selva joins in and she's basically screaming at, at Emmanuel being like, go and find that fucking key. Which, like genuinely like Selva is discovering the power of her screaming. Like she did that listening to David, like go fuck off or whatever. And then she's delivering a line of the movie, if you're asking me. And <laughs> she says, like to, to calm the child down, the child that's about to die. <laughs> She's telling him it's a party, there's balloons and surprises. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> so good. Great, great things, Celsia. Yeah, so that happens. And then um, we kind of go back into the dance floor and some lads start beating David up. Which I feel like he deserves, to be honest. I 100% um, missed that. Yeah, the first time I watched it. I, I did not register it the first time I watched this. Yeah. That they like draw a swastika on his head and all this stuff. Uh -huh. They beat him up, they draw a swastika on him. So I guess he's a Nazi or something, I don't know. Um, and then <laughs> then the power, the power suddenly goes, the music stops, the lights go down. Tito stops screaming. And spoiler alert, it's because he died. Because he like treated himself. Somebody screams that they killed the kid or whatever. Yeah, Emma or Emmanuel immediately realizes that she's killed Tito, and everyone's like, "Oh, they're like, haha, Tito's fried." 
Yeah, they say something like that. Yeah. Um, and then so that's that kind of happens, and it's just sort of fleeting. Then we kind of go back down the corridors. Someone's sharing; they're trying to clean blood off themselves. I guess from Lou. Yeah, that's the lady yeah. that kind of comforted. That's, that's Lou. like her friend. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then Ivana and selva then start kissing then david tries to take selva and then she's like i don't want to see you and then gazelle's brother is like assaulting her um i guess trying to rape her or just raping her i'm not entirely sure it's not oh, they're very having, nice they're he's having assaulting sex. her he's they're sexually assaulting her either way no wait wait Pardon? wait wait okay so yeah so <laughs> Gazelle and her brother, they're 100% having sex by the wall. Like, it's full-on sex. Like, there's no... I mean, I don't know what... I don't know whether it's consensual or not. I'm not going to get into this, but it's... It's... But it's... it's, (laughs) I will not. I don't know that. (laughs) It's definitely ambiguous whether it's consensual or not. But, like, they Mm -hmm. are having sex. Like, he is penetrating her. So, I would say it's sex. Um... I don't think he's dry humping her because like they're against the wall and he's like inside her. So I, I don't know. It looks like to me like they're having sex. Is this later on the film? I don't think so. It's right now, right? Like they're yeah, against they're... the wall. No, it's they're like in a bathroom or something. They're on a radiator. Yeah. I think you're yeah. thinking of the right thing. I think we're just yeah. not sure. I think they're having sex. Yeah. I, I don't think it's important. I, I mean, if yeah, there's whatever, any yeah. volume and this is there's like they're they're going at it hard. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I guess so. And yeah, David wants to join in, and then the moment like he's joining in, obviously Taylor is like going at him like "fuck off," and then I yeah. think like Gazelle realizes what's happening, and, and then, then she runs away. away. Yeah, um, David. David also uh, like David wants to fuck everyone. He yeah. did mention at the beginning of the movie that he would like to, you know, some recent action situation would be welcomed. David's arc in this film is that he used to have sex with everybody and now that everybody's high, nobody wants to have sex with him and he's really hurt. And uh, basically he tries to explore his homosexual side, but he doesn't really want to do that. So there's a big conflict there. And that's basically that part of the film. <laughs> it's pretty great. <laughs> I like yeah, it a lot. Much. You did just make <laughs> me think about the swastika on his, on his forehead because I kind of missed that too. But then I do remember having like the same weird vibe uh, just before, like the the credits come up, so very early on in the movie, just, like just when they finish the dancing from the like God's eye point of view, whatever shot, they are screaming, "This is France! Let's slaughter those Yanks, Yankees! I don't know, slaughter mm-hmm. them! This is war." Mm-hmm. Weird um, vibes. I'm not not looking for any collection necessarily, but like very same feeling. David has a very much of a, a like a skinhead vibe, both in like in everything he does, kind of the way he dances is very violent, and the way he talks about things and the way he kind of you know even like moves around the party, he feels very violent in everything he does, and yeah, he has a kind of a bald head. It's not fully bald, but whatever. I I, I get a very very much a skinhead vibe from him, like a kind of a young mm-hmm. guy who's kind of into the far right movement thing. So. Yeah, I, I'm sure there's like stuff going on there. I don't know. I know people thought of this film as a political film, and I think that would be too much. But I think it's just kind of playing with kind of that image more than anything. You know, mm-hmm. David is kind of that kind of a character, and I think it's fun to take away his power and kind of see him struggle. <laughs> I don't know. There's a sort of a catharsis to it to see him mm-hmm. in this environment um, not being interesting at all once everybody's high and kind of having their own stuff, and suddenly he's, you know, not important. 
because nobody cares See, to me i find of i almost find that and i mean the thing is is that i don't think i don't know exactly what gasper now is doing here does he does he know also maybe not but i find it i feel like it's i don't know to me it's too significant to be completely a coincidence that his name is David. Like to me, I more so view him as like they're drawing a swastika on him. I know earlier I said he was a Nazi, but really like this, that's not what I'm thinking. Um, I view more so that he's Jewish or at least in some way descended oh. from Jews or something. Cause his name is David and the mm-hmm. symbol of Judaism is the star of David. And he's like got sallow skin. Like he's not this super pale Aryan looking person. He's to <laughs> me, his name is David. So I don't know. To me, there's sort of a thing of like, I'd guess in a way making fun of, maybe making fun of the Holocaust. I'm not really sure because I feel like it's, I don't know. I kind of imagine, I guess drawing a swastika on someone, whether they're Jewish or in some way a Nazi, is kind of, it's still a direct thing of trying to criticize the fact that they are a Nazi but I don't think it would be something that would be drawn on someone who was a Nazi if that makes sense like in this day and age slash in 1996 um but to me I see him more as like he's Jewish and that's purely based on the fact that his name is David but still that's how I view it well um Gaspar if you're (laughs) listening Gaspar if you're listening please email us us at fhkpodcast at gmail.com whether whether David is Jewish and whether Climax is about the Holocaust. We need to know. Yeah, it's clear. <laughs> the title of this episode, Climax, a Holocaust epic. A Holocaust movie? <laughs> Maybe. I would never think of that. I would never think of that either. I um, studied world religions <laughs> in school. Um, <laughs> what I would like to say is that there's always... Uh, guy with short hair in Gaspar Noe's movie. And yeah, that's true. I do tend to like identify that character as Gaspar Noe, just because like that person is popping up in Love That's the Protagonist. Uh, same with Enter the Void. Sorry, yeah. Same with Reversible, yeah. Same yeah. And like, to me, it's maybe because like Gaspar Noe's movies are so visually driven, but to me, it's just like all in all, it could be a party that Gaspar Noe was at and he was trying to have with everyone. I, I don't know, like that's, that's the way. I, I Nobody see. was paying attention to him and, was like, and he was like, one day I'm going to make a film about this make and you a will movie all see. About this, guys, and you will see how cruel you were. Oh, you will all want to have sex for me then. Yeah, he does, he does kind of look similar. I feel like David is, that makes sense that David is like a self-insert of Gaspar Noe. Um, so yeah, that happens. I guess they kill David. They like slam his head against the ground. I think that comes later. But oh, that's pretty eh. late, yeah. Um, that's basically yeah. the end of um, the Oh wait, yeah, no. So that sorry, that isn't. He gets beat up multiple times. Um, so then yeah, a moment. Then the camera is upside down, and it's. I was literally watching it with my head to the side because I was like, am I gonna miss something when I watch it like this? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Gazelle starts foaming at the mouth, and this is the fourth person. Oh wait, the past. Whoa, 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 where are we? Wait, wait, sorry, are we at the ending sequence now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Camera is upside down. Okay, right. all right, okay. So we're at the the final dance sequence where the camera gets down to the to the dancing room, and now everybody's kind of freaking the fuck out, and everything is red. Yeah, and the camera goes upside down yeah. and kind of stays there. <laughs> for the duration of the yeah, final sequence because every, everything's just completely turned upside down 
-hmm. So gazelle starts foaming at the mouth. Um, people are like touching themselves, whether it's like in a way that their skin feels gross. Also, there's people just like masturbating, um, there's people having sex and generally just breaking down a bit. Um, and then they kill David. Um, and then there is text. Like, there's just so fucking inhumane like movements going on all around. Like mm -hmm. that. Like, yeah. yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's like a sallow or like a, what's the name of that film? Caligula. Yeah, it's like an orgy scene, like a very, um, very explicit kind of supposed to be disturbing, upside down filled, red filled, like kind of <laughs> debauchery, Marcus the Sad kind of stuff. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and yeah, there, there's a text, there's That's another fun. flash of text that says life is a collective impossibility. Um, is it which is like, hey man makes you think that's it's like it's just like yeah life is just a collective impossibility guys oh, think dude, about that, it. that film is kind of oh. weird isn't it why <laughs> hey, dude, why um, is that camera upside down i would like to say that uh when i watched this movie for the first time with uh, a room full of people like the, the sold out crowd whatever um I do remember like everyone at that moment be like, whoo, like, I think that's the moment yeah. when whatever it is that this movie is trying to do, like in terms of the experience, like touching a nerve, that's the moment when that's happening. And obviously part of it is it's being so excessively long. And I think like for the first time in Gaspar Noe's filmography, this is the moment when it actually works. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I actually, I actually got nauseous watching this uh, yesterday. I that was feeling weird. And um, I don't remember exactly how I felt in the cinema, but I think just because there was a lot of people around and I don't think anybody left or anything like that happened. I don't remember it happening. I think I, we kind of like went through it collectively, but when I was watching it yesterday, I was like, yeah, this is taking a long time and it's kind of hard. And yeah, I was feeling a little bit nauseous from all the upside down camera and yeah, just kind of looking at it because it's very disorientating. Um, yeah. So it, it was not easy. It was not easy. Yeah. Um, the music is just like, it's so unpleasant at this stage. And because like, I, I would argue that as, fantastic as the soundtrack is it's very um mono yeah it's one one note yeah, yeah. monotone yeah um, mm -hmm. and it's like you know at the beginning you love it so much and i abby mentioned and i agree 100 supernature is an exquisite song and i cannot really get enough of it and then like it kind of comes back to you at the end and it's just like so freaking cool uh, I've heard that Gaspar Noe wanted to use a Frub and Gristle song at the end of this film, which is Frub and Gristle is like a noise band from from England, which is just noise. Like it's full on noise. Like it's really like it's really hard to listen to because it's just like pumping noise. It doesn't even have a beat. It's just noise, you know. And he said, yeah, it was a bit too much. It felt a little bit obvious. So he tried to do something else. And I'm really glad he did because, yeah, I think Frub, mm -hmm. Frub and Gristle over this would be a bit much. <laughs> I think it's also like the repetitiveness specifically of supernature it's a very repetitive song um but the repetitiveness like makes you more nauseous in a way because it's like and i can imagine it also like evokes the kind of thing of being stuck in this trip and being like when is it going to end i'm like trapped so like, i feel like it does also just evoke that sort of vibe and i think it works um so yeah that happens and then the police arrive 
It's just kind of funny. And there's like one, and like one, yeah, it's gas. And one person is left dancing. It's a psyche. She's just still vibing. And the thing is, she's, she drank. We saw her drink the sangria. So like, we know that she also had it, but for whatever reason, she's not as affected. Um, and everyone else is like unconscious, maybe dead. Um, who knows? Some of them are yeah. definitely not dead, but some of them it's possibly, who knows? Um, we it's see hard, Dom crying know, yeah. and I feel like, yeah, with Dom, I feel like we see her crying and it's sort of, to me anyway, it's her no longer being under the influence and realizing what she's done, which is fucking kill Lou's baby. Um, we see a few, like three, three, three of the guys, I feel like, who've like scratched their skin off. Um, like they've been scratching like the whole thing of the skin feeling horrible they've scratched themselves to the point that their skin has like it's like raw um, then there's a girl the girl Jennifer who went on fire she's putting water on her head yeah she's got a we see head. Tito who is Tito dead. is out out for the count he's dead Emmanuel killed herself then there's another bit of text that says death is an extraordinary experience which I think it's like a quote from Peter Pan, to be honest. It's a quote from Hook, you Is that not a quote from Peter Pan? Yeah, okay, yeah. So there's a quote in Peter Pan. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's pretty That's much awesome. the Peter Pan thing where Peter Pan or someone. Okay, wait, take it again. In Peter Pan, there's a quote from somewhere. Maybe it's in the book. Maybe it's in the movie. Maybe it's in either. Abby doesn't know. But the quote is, to die would be an awfully big adventure. Gaspar Noe quoted peter pan just saying just saying also hook is an incredible so, film okay so at the end of the film shout out to <laughs> the people in hook uh, robert de niro <laughs> which one is it robert de niro they're all the same what are you doing that other guy robert robert de niro al pacino and there's another one. Oh my god they're all the same person to me Oh my god, this is so upsetting. Guys, you're doing the beat. I recognize that. It's the same as with Abby thinking that Julian Moore and... Oh no, I forgot. Yeah, she thinks that Um, Sigourney Weaver... Julianne Moore and Sigourney Weaver. They're the same woman. Julianne Moore and one more. Susan Sarandon. Susan Sarandon. All the three of them are the same person. And I would love to tell you that it's a bit, but it's not a bit. This is actually what Abby oh, That's did. how I feel. And this okay. is how the, she thinks about Robert De Niro, Al Pacino, and I think Robin Williams is what she's trying to say. No, 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 no. No, because one of them is in... Oh, you're talking about Robert. Dustin Hoffman then? Yeah, no. Oh, it's Dustin Hoffman. No, I'm not. Oh, great. Yeah, that's a lot better. Robert... Oh. Well, who are you talking about it, then? Italian-American actors. Robert De Niro, Al Pacino... <laughs> Who's the other one? I think you're there's fucking... a third one. No, then you're really fucking something up with Hook. <laughs> you are really messing up big time. About, about the film that you love, so he, Hook, and I don't care for. Wait, that's Dustin Hoffman. No way. <laughs> the Irishman. Are you thinking about Glenn Close? Pacino, who's got a cameo in? Uh, Pacino, Hook, Hook, Robert De Niro. Who's there's a third? Joe Pesci's there's a third. Not there. There's a third Italian-American guy who and looks hook? like both. <laughs> I'm and thinking hook? outside of the movie, Manche. Well, I'm really glad that we, we get to experience this moment where Abby um, 
gets to uh, embarrass herself over Hook. Um, <laughs> Who's the third? There's a third one. I can't remember it, but there is. In Hook? No, there's a third man who I think is the same person. And he's Italian-American. Are you thinking about Joe Pesci? Are you really thinking about Joe no, Pesci? No, I know who Joe Pesci well, is. I would Nicolas never forget who Joe Cage Pesci is. played Italian in Moonstruck. No, it's not Nicholas. I know who Nicholas <laughs> Which was Cage a is. wonderful performance. Robert De Niro. Maybe it's Forever. Dustin Hoffman. I don't know. I don't think Dustin Hoffman is Italian-American. And you keep insisting on that fact, and I'm trying to help you. Dustin Hoffman is clearly Jewish. Like, he's clearly Jewish-American. Like, there's, you know... I don't think you can make a mistake about that. Italian-American. Are you thinking uh, about also, I don't... Brando because of The Godfather? Yeah, are you thinking about Marlon no. Brando? Yeah. No, maybe I'm just thinking about Pacino and, just, and um, Pacino and the other guy, Robert De Niro. Maybe I'm just thinking of the two of them. Okay. So that's an extraordinary experience. Lou leaves and she's screaming. And then she like walks past or maybe she doesn't. Omar is, Omar is outside. He's been frozen to death. He's under some snow. Yeah. Gazelle wakes up beside her brother and he's like, don't tell dad. She's like, what? Um, and what? then we realize what? someone else. So Lou, of course, was the girl at the beginning of the movie. We learned. Yeah. And are we going about how Silva survived that and actually ended up scoring throughout the, that trip? Yeah, because she has sex with the Russian lady or Siberian lady, yeah. Which is nice, I guess. I don't know. There seems to be nice. I think it's very, very cool that after like everything that she went through, like she's ending up. I feel like I think that if if that kind of strikes me because I feel like initially I saw it when I first saw it, I felt sort of like it was Ivana taking advantage of Salva but then when I looked at it like when I watched it again I was like actually I feel like it's the two of them really not having a good time on their trip and just comforting one another like it's Ivana seeing Salva's not having a good time I'm not really either her skin feels horrible mine feels horrible let's just have sex and it'll be great we'll just get over it we'll be able to take ourselves out of this it's you know experiencing someone else's body as opposed to just like experiencing my own body too much because of how high I am so it's very much they're like seeking comfort from one another, which is nice. Absolutely, and you focus on the on the current moment. Like if you can, if you cannot watch a movie while you're having a bad trip, maybe it's a good idea to have sex. I don't know, yes. but I would Suck like to. Titty. I don't, I don't know either. Yeah. Like a titty. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did think about this when I watched this movie this time around. Like Ivana is very clearly, I don't want to say taking advantage of the situation, but she's like very trying to help Sophia, um, Selva. Uh, but kind of she's like leaning, like leading her into the bedroom and like, you know, making sure that she will go with her. Partly maybe for the reason of like, you know, let's just get outside of our heads. But then I do feel like she knows what to do because she has done that before as in she might have had a trip like this, or maybe it was having a trip with um, Psyche, yeah. <laughs> uh, or whatever. But like, um, if there is any lesson to be had out of this movie, it's like you need to have a trip like this in order to know how to behave. Like if you're not allowing yourself this dark side, you're going to end up in trouble like you do have that you need to acknowledge that you need to embrace that and only yeah. after doing that you know what to do and how to behave and how <laughs> not to do 
for sure. I think also yeah. expecting it, if you're anticipating the trip in the first place, you have an upper hand on yourself. You know that you're like, it's something you're doing to yourself as opposed to it being done to you and you being like, what's going on? Yeah. And we're getting to what I think, why I like Climax the most out of Noe's films is that there's a catharsis element to this film where when it's ending, you're like, oh, it's over. And it's like, there's something coming out of it. Like there's some stuff that's happening that kind of makes you go through it. And then once you're at the end, you're like, oh, I got through it, right? There's this catharsis element to the whole experience that kind of makes you go out of it being like, oh, okay, well, at least I'm not tripping out on LSD. Or like, you know, there's like this kind of thing of getting through a really awful experience and being okay at the end, which I think a lot of Noe's films kind of end with like a punch to the face rather than a catharsis, you know? It's like more like put you more down rather than kind of having this upwards motion, which I think this film has, you know, there's consequences to what happened, obviously, and the kid is dead. Uh, but like generally there's a feeling of, I don't know, like when I finished watching Climax, you know, even though I had a pretty bad experience, maybe less light in general because I was stressed out and wasn't as easy. When I finished watching it, I still felt pretty good because I was like, mm -hmm. I got through it. It was like, there was something about getting through it that was, um, I don't know, um, that, that kind of freed something in me in a way, you know, that felt good about like kind also, of getting through it, like a satisfaction. Yeah, it's almost like, it's almost like you've gotten through the trip with them yeah, and you've come out the other end. And I feel like another, another important part of it is the fact that there's also the catharsis of discovering who spiked the drinks. Because I feel like I forgot that we learn who spikes the drinks. And so watching it I was like oh but like who did it it's annoying that we don't even know who did it like who could have possibly done it is there like just this nameless mystery evil person who's decided to spike these people for an inexplicable reason but we learn that it was Psyche who spiked mm. the drinks and I mean we're not exactly told but it's pretty much confirmed that we you know and that she's the one at the start of the film as Wojtek was saying that in her audition tape says that her roommate in Berlin was dropping LSD into his eyeballs. So we go to her room and she is pretty much fine now. She drops some LSD, assumably, or some kind of a drug into her eyeballs. She's got books about hallucinogens and LSD. And it's basically like, oh, it was her. She did it. So she's kind of, you know, gotten used to the trip, gotten used to LSD, mm -hmm. understands her own limits, understands how to navigate the trip. And it's all her. And honestly, it makes sense because she was kind of evil. Yeah. Can I say something really quickly? Um, no. So that last shot of her putting the LSD into her eye and then that's uh, uh, the screen goes white. That reminded me of uh, Crybaby. Remember when we watched Crybaby together? Um, so <laughs> on the DVD commentary to Crybaby, the first time Crybaby sheds a little tear when he gets the um, shot at the beginning of the film, John Waters mm -hmm. on the commentary says, oh, here's the first cum shot um, uh, for the tear. Um, so I was like, oh, you know, because you think about Climax and Gaspar Noe's Climax, and that's, weirdly, that's the Gaspar Noe film that doesn't end in the penis coming right into your face. You know, even though it's called climax, but somehow it's kind of a climax because the you know the, the 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 little drop of acid comes into the eye and this thing spills out, so it is kind of like a cum shot in a way. Thank you for your attention. Yes. Damn. Thanks so much. Um, uh, I do have a John Waters connection with the film too. Um, oh great! I mean, 
more of a personal one because I, I did see it at the cinema when it came out and then um, I didn't like it as much. I, yeah. I, as mentioned, I do remember being like, I wish they danced more. But yeah. dancing, like in a way of the, you know, the first, like the dancing sequence. In minutes yeah, because I remember you saying that to me and I was like, they keep dancing throughout the film. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you know, a storytelling tool. Anyway, now I learned yeah. to appreciate this more. Um, but then, anyway, so that was my first viewing experience, first watch. And then I was in a very weird place in my life and like everything was supposed to make sense. Like everything was going in a particular order and I did not feel like it's coming from the inside. It's just like whatever is happening outside and kind of trying to make sense of things. And then I started, like John Waters came back to me and like watching the interviews, listening to the interviews, reading his book or whatever. And he Always does helps. Mention, yeah, a lot. <laughs> and he does mention Climax as one of his favorite movies of, of that year. He loves Noe. Yeah, he's a big Noe fan. Yeah. And then I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll give it another shot. And that's when I was like, yeah, Climax is a pretty well made. <laughs> no, I don't know. I'm hesitant to it's be like. good. Um, <laughs> I'm hesitant to say it because that's the thing that happened to me when I watched his other movies. I'm like, this guy either just learned to make movies or he's a bad person and this kind of happened by accident. We didn't even mention <laughs> that. It's not only through the runtime of it, but it is his most accessible movie. Yeah. Uh, and of course it helps, but anyway, I, I think I, it, I'm ambivalent. I but. think it's his most fun film. I think it's his most honest film. I think it's the film where the exploitation is just exploitation and nothing else. Like when he wants you to feel bad, he's very honest and upfront about it. You know, the kid is dead. This all happens. The Emmanuel slits her wrist. It's all like, you know, there's no ambivalence in it. Like it's very in your face bad. And there's other stuff happening as well. I think it's his most like, you know, straightforward kind of to the point film, which is really good for Gaspar because Gaspar gets so lost in all the bullshit, I think, a lot of the time. I think Love is the best example of this where you have those great sequences of just very well shot porn that's enjoyable to watch and it's 3D and it's a good time. And like, I don't mind that at all. Like I will go see Love in the cinema, you know, if there's like a hour and a half cut that, cuts out all the all the plot then i would love to see it honestly because it's really well shot and fun and kind of you know kind of out there and different it's just that when he kind of gets entangled in all his artsy stuff that i think he kind of gets out of you know gets out of his comfort zone he's not as good at it and it's fine like you know he doesn't have to be good at it i don't think that's kind of his deal you know he's not birdman he's not like i don't think he's one of the greats birdman uh, He's not Birdman. He's not hit film starring Michael Keaton. Oh my God. Okay, whatever. He's not Antonioni. He's not Fellini. You know, I don't think he's a cinema genius. He's very good at the craft and he loves genre and he loves stuff like that. And I think he's good at doing shit like this, you know, and if he makes it fun and engaging and kind of an experience, then that's kind of what I want. And I think that's what he's best at. And I think in this film, he kind of realizes this or at least focuses on it more, which makes me engaged, which doesn't make me kind of look away or be bored or kind of feel like I'm wasting my time a little bit, which kind of happens in all of his films to a degree where I'm like, well, okay, Gaspar, just 
please don't name the child after yourself, like in love, where it's like they keep talking about the kid and the kid's name is Gaspar. And I'm like, Jesus Christ, Gaspar, like, come on, like, give me a break from this at least, you know, like, don't name the kid after yourself because, like, I can't focus on what's going on even, like, it's so... Let me escape you. In my face, you know, it's, it's too much. And this is at least fun, like, I'm having a fun time. So, yeah, to me, this is just, like, a time, I don't know whether he's going to continue doing this or just go exactly the opposite way. But to me, this is the time where he kind of hit the point in his career where he made it or like he kind of took what's good about him and kind of made the best out of it (laughs) it's not a perfect film but it works do you think it's about him and like him doing it consciously or more of like you know we mentioned the cast and how amazing they are not only as dancers but also as like serving the vision and obviously the lack of a proper script like whenever he's introducing the plot device it's bit awkward to watch yeah but i think that it definitely helps that this has an improvisational vibe and more of an open feel to it i think that's what makes it easier to swallow when it happens and kind of yeah you just kind of get on through it because you know that it's just there to kind of keep the thing going and keep the experience going and for me it's just like yeah it's just it's just about the it's just about the it's just about the visuals. It's just about the feeling of paranoia. It's just about the feeling of getting through it and how visually well made it is. And that's all I want. And it works well for me. That's on the, on the basic level, yes. And I do think that there's more to that. And I, I guess that's what was what was most endearing to me. Yeah. Also, uh, another extra little thing I want to say is that there's no other film that captures the feeling that I have when I'm at a party that I don't want to be at, that this film captures. And I know I, I, I know that this sounds really dramatic, but in a way, and I, I, I've never been at a party that goes this wrong or anything like that. You know, I've never been at a party that's so out of control or whatever. But the feeling of being trapped is basically what I feel at a party that I don't want to be at. It's like exactly that feeling that I have. And I'm really bad with parties that kind of I don't want to be at. I'm really, it's it's a very personal thing. And I think I realized a while ago that I probably have panic attacks sometimes when I'm at a party like this. So this really captures that. And I think it's really good for me to go through that experience <laughs> when I'm watching this film. It's very cleansing, you know, in a way. Well, so, there it is. We've covered quite a lot here. And I... I have a, <laughs> I just have a question for you, Wojtek. Oh my God. Oh wow. The film Climax. What about it? Well, fuck kill. Do you know guys that I actually did not? <laughs> That's great. It's very I in the really, spirit I of the really, show. I really didn't. Um, genuinely. Because I, I focus so much like about all the characters and writing all the names down that it actually didn't. Anyway, um, <laughs> fuck. Now, fuck, kill. Okay, fuck, yeah. Um, not gonna lie, the first, the first person that came to my mind was Selva, Sophia. But I think it's mostly because like she's the most realized character. Like I get the sense of I know her the most. And like I, I've been through this whole trip with her and like she's okay. 
Um, it's also very, this movie is very dirty, but not only in the sense of like naughty and sexual, but also just like dirty as in, you know, you mentioned Rimey, it. Gritty. Also the, yeah, being, being shot on film and there's like a very dirty feel to it. But at the same time, if I think about it more and they're like so openly sexual about all of this, it's very, you know, the, with the dancing, it's all very physical and it's all very, you know, like the sexual freedom, um, the, this 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 dirtiness is very human i guess so as much mm-hmm. as it's at, at first i'm like very mm, i don't know if i want to fuck anyone here but then you know i kind of went through this whole trip with them so i guess yeah. sophia and i know it's a it's an obvious choice but you know she's a realized character she's confident she's um like you do see all her sides of her and all like that and I don't know, my take on this is that like she does realize the power of her screen and her screaming and her demanding things. And um, I'm justifying my choice that I'm not a climber and I'm not just trying to, you know, get a career as a dancer. You don't want to get into the dancing troupe. Yeah. Okay. At I the same time, I, you know, I would be very safe here because I don't trust David. And maybe David would be a person that I would hunt. Okay. And not his choice. But he does seem to have a bit of a sexual journey going on. I'm kind of, I don't know. It would be interesting to kind of, yeah, see how, what's going on there. Learn about that a bit more. Um, should he be alive? That. <laughs> if he uh, left, yeah. Then I'm trying to pick someone because, like, those are two very obvious choices. I'm trying not to pick um, psyche, 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 psyche. Yeah. Um, because it's such an obvious person to kill. Um, and then the moment that I would choose a black guy who's very open about like anal sex and talking about sex in a very, very unsettling way. I don't know. I don't want to come off as racist. Um, well, <laughs> okay. But I guess that's my choice. Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can kill somebody who's black. That's okay. I, I think that's happening. I mean, anyway. that's not okay in real life, but in the no, context of the film. Maybe to kind of counterbalance that for my choice of fuck, the other person that came to my mind is the guy named, going to my notes, Serpent. Oh, the, the guy who does the, the crazy yeah. stuff. Oh, he's insane. Right. And he's very chill. Like he's not doing anything bad there, like necessarily. He's, you know, had a very bad track when it comes to love. And he's in love with like this lady who's pregnant with someone else's baby. And, you know, maybe you could have a good time. I don't know. Um, Probably, so just, yeah. Just to counterbalance that, uh, he was my second choice for fucking. Nice. I'd just also like to add that I feel bad about killing someone without mentioning the name. And uh, <laughs> also the main is the reason, partially a reason why I want to kill this person. I mean, the whole character is kind of disgusting. His name is Cyborg. Yeah. Fair enough. That's reason enough. Yes. What's up? No, it's not much. How what about you? you? <laughs> I've never been good. Just recording a podcast. Hey, how's it been going? How long no, did it take? It's not too bad. Uh, just a few hours. You don't want to know. <laughs> Um, Abby. Yeah. Do you know the movie called Clemson? I've. I've. <laughs> is it? I've, it climax? It's, it's called Climax, yeah. That thing, that thing that happened. <laughs> I've heard I of it. 
Climax by Gaspar Noé. I've heard a few things about it, a few whispers. So, can I ask you? Out of yes. all the characters in the movie, there's plenty, there are plenty. Uh, who would you fuck? Who would you kill? And who would you hunt? Not in that order. Yeah, that was an interesting order, but I will. So, similar, though. Yes, so nicely. Yeah. So, I, I feel like, and I, I see why you killed one of the men, because really all the men in this film are terrible. No. Um, the women are also most of them a lot of them are quite terrible but they're all high on LSD so I'm not sure how much we can like blame them but still we have all all we have to judge them on really is what they're like when they're on LSD so um, I'm going to pretty much just base it off who I feel like is maybe the most attractive and like has the most I don't know like the kind of mag- not I guess magnetic like the magnetic energy so I'm going for gazelle for my fuck um then i for haunt and as i said that's really just for the energy and i feel like she's the most attractive out of them or one of them um i'm going to haunt i'm gonna haunt psychic because i and i'm gonna haunt her like really aggressively because i think that she did a really bad thing and she needs to know about it um and then i'm going to kill I'm going to kill. Just remember that the kid is already dead. So you can't kill. Yeah. Otherwise, he would be the obvious choice. Would be the child. Um, <laughs> I. What's worth the, the rapist? The yeah, I could do that. I'm gonna Bart. Like who's Bart? Kill him. I... Bart. I. I'll tell you who. Name is Bart. Fuck him. The Bart is. Um, so there's Kyra and Bart. Those are two black guys. You during the audition tape, Kyra has dreadlocks and Bart has his hair up. That's all I can tell you. All right. Oh, okay. Guy was hair up. I'm. We're talking going... about like they never worked with gays and so forth. And oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I am going to kill Selva because <gasps> I think Why? so. Selva is number one. The reason they're all there. Um. And I feel like they didn't vet the people enough because someone spiked them all. Mm. Also, because I feel like she should have taken a more authoritative stance. And I know she was on LSD, but listen, so are all the rest of them. She should have taken a more authoritative stance. And I also feel like maybe this is very traumatic for her and she might just be better off dead. So I'm just going to like, it's like a mercy killing also. Mache, listen. That's me. Match climax. Yeah, climax. Something I've never experienced. The f- the f- the f- climax. Fuck can't kill. Please climax, tell us. Fuck can't kill. Okay, all right, all right. So, so Gaspar Noah. Gaspar Noah, yeah, this one. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to tell you about different climaxes. Okay, uh, so for my fuck, uh, I actually, um, that's kind of interesting, but, but I had Gazelle as my fuck as well. Um, same as you, Abby, because I, I don't know, like her energy in this film is something so different that I just find it kind of attractive in a weird way. Like, I don't even fully know why, but there's something so attractive about her in this film. 
it's it's like, like she's confident and yeah she's confident and she knows herself. who she is mm-hmm. and like she's just kind of exuding this sort of sexual energy all the time and i guess like everybody in the film wants to have sex with her as well but like i guess maybe that influences it a bit but like there's something mm-hmm. about her in this film that kind of makes me go like oh, i don't know this. her dancing is great something going on definitely the most oh, yeah. intriguing character of, of, of all of them and mm. on a sexual level as well for me. So yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for Gazelle on the on the fuck. Um consensual, of course. And then uh <laughs> well but but well I don't know, every time there's every time there's non consensual sex with a character in a film, I feel like I need to say that because like Gazelle has, you know, her brother, you know, that's she has a very interesting arc. <laughs> okay yeah yes. let's leave it at that interesting arc mm-hmm. yes okay um troubling arc okay <laughs> uh we're gonna go for haunt uh, i'm gonna haunt emmanuel um i'm gonna haunt emmanuel with visions of her dead child that she locked in the generator room with a key that she locked while she was high on lsd well you know what else can i say <laughs> to support this <laughs> just writing itself you know um uh and then i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna kill i'm gonna kill the lady who uh kicks uh lou in the stomach because um. what are yeah no, because yeah. whether you're high or not you know that there's like limits of what i can ex- uh, accept yeah yeah exactly like yeah like fuck this you know i'm not gonna stand for this this is too much you know, you can feel however you want. You can be high and upset and whatever. Don't kick people in the stomach because you think something, you know. So uh, yeah. I'm going to kill her for that. Okay. Because <laughs> that's the concept of the show. So yeah. there you go. That's, that's <laughs> Well, honestly, that's the most animosity I've felt towards a character in this film. Because, yeah, that's fair. I don't know, everybody else kind of vibing or doing shit, you know, or following peer pressure, which I can sort of understand, I guess. But yeah, that that's lady, true. not doing a nice thing. So... She's uh, she's the kill on my list, um, and there we sharing. go. That was brief. Thank you, thank you for listening to me talk about this. You're hey, thanks for having me. I, 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 Machi knows about this. I just talked about this with Abby, but yeah, like having a motivation to do something when it comes to film. Good times. It's been great. Yeah. Thanks yeah, for joining us. Going off topic for so damn long. Machi knows Listen. that I can do that. We love to have an engaged co-host guest. What are they called? An engaged guest. Well, nearly a co-host. Oh, yeah. actually, yeah. 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 At this point in time, yeah. an engaged man named Wojtek on uh, the podcast. Not technically engaged. I don't think he is engaged to anybody at that point in time. But maybe you know, maybe at some point in time, you know. Listen, this podcast might be the what gets you a proposal. So stay tuned. Oh, maybe, you know, somebody you're seeing is going to listen to this and be like, wow. That's never thought of I'm this person marry. that like, yeah, there you go. <laughs> or your family will listen and disown you. It's one or the other. It's a toss up. That's a good thing that they don't speak a word of English. Just we it. actually do this episode. We do the podcast in Polish as well. Way to go, Abby. <laughs> <laughs> a really hard bit to follow. What do you it's say? Bit, it's the truth. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Well, yeah, let's. This let's, has been part two. Yeah, of this the was part podcast. two. Thank you so much to Voidy. Are we still recording?
Yeah, we're still, this is the ending to part two because we had to have an ending to part one. So this is the ending to part two. This is the actual ending oh, wow. of the show. This is the I actual was ending. I, was, I don't know. No, no, no. This is the actual ending to the show because we had to end with part one because it was so long. I have to put it into two episodes. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit it and do all the shit. So yeah, so this is the ending of, of Climax. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you so much to Wojtek for being on the show and offering himself and his time to this show. Straight from Poland. Straight from Poland. It's our first international guest. That is true indeed. Fuck yeah. our kills going worldwide. Look oh, out, Pitbull. Well, I guess that's the nice thing about the quarantine is that we can have guests that are, you know, across the world or, you know, a bit f- further away from us <laughs> to record an episode, um, you know, in a way that we can both make work and uh yeah it's really great thank you so much for being here Thanks, yes guys. thank you it's been wonderful um yeah and uh what else do we have to say at the end of this episode uh subscribe to the uh, to the show fucking you know we have more of this follow us on instagram at fhk podcast go to our website at fhkpodcast.com email us at fhkpodcast at gmail.com That's, and most of yeah. all tune in next week to listen to us talk about insidious that's a movie I haven't seen yet. Oh, yeah. We have 100% have not talked about it or watched it yet. That never happened. No, not at all. I have no idea how I feel about this film. Me neither. I'm, sh- I'm we'll sure it's riveting. I'm sure, yeah, it's... I'm sure it's amazing. Oh, it's my a God. It's a great film. James Wan. Oh, my God. I'm sure he's the okay. best director. <laughs> Thank oh, yeah. you all. Thank Wojtek, you, Wojtek. Do you want, do you want to say something? Wojtek, do you want to say something? <laughs> the end of the podcast. Do you want to say something to our listeners? <laughs> This is the last opportunity you have. Um, don't do drugs. Good, good, yeah, good one. Do that only in the. Conf- uh, well, I just contradicted myself. <laughs> do it, but just sometimes. But should you do it, just do it in a you know comfortable environment, but safe space. Yes. Safe, yes. Um, so yeah, I'm a letterbox, and my name oh, nice. is WJTK. WJTK. Yeah, WJTK WJTK at Letterboxd is where you can find Wojtek and his reviews and, and stuff it, he watches. Oh, no. Hit me up if you want to talk movies. I don't know. Yeah. Wojtek really likes films. Maybe you've noticed it listening to this episode. Too much. Should, Too much. I, should I plug my Letterboxd as well at the end of those? I don't know. I also I think have a should, yes. Maybe I should, yeah. Who knows? I was, well, I still am, but I don't update it. So, yeah, yeah I need something going on there. <laughs> Just for well, um, yeah, so yeah, check Voidag out on Letterboxd. Check me out as well. My name is Machi B, M A C I E J B. That's, that's me on Letterboxd. Follow me on Instagram. That's oh, the only thing I have to plug. It's A B B B. I.E. Sometimes I post a titty pic. No, I don't. That's a lie. She does not. Post I've never done that. I've never That's done only that. the the. What's the name? Only of that fans. Only fans. Yeah. That's only fans. Yeah, That's only where fans. you can find titty pictures of of Abby and me as well. Yes. Um, specifically, Matcha. Yeah. Specifically, me. Yeah. Your titty pic. You know, just a nipple here and there. You know. One or two nipples. <sighs> Too, What's know. a nipple amongst friends? But uh, listen, listener, 
Uh, <laughs> you listen here, you son you of a bitch. You listen here, you, you motherfucker. Uh, wash your hands, wear a mask, be yes. safe. Yes. Wear a condom. Wear a condom. Masturbate regularly, you know, take care of yourself. Moisturize. Moisturize. And uh, make sure to take care of your mental health because that's really important. And um, stay hydrated. Yeah, stay hydrated. It's a hard time and we're all in this together. And thank you for listening to this. And I hope it helped you in some way, maybe. Yeah, or, I don't know. Perhaps diverted your attention you for two hours or five hours or whatever <laughs> length of it was. So thank you. A and long time. We'll see you on the other side next week. Thank you so much for tuning. Bye, everyone. Goodbye. Have a great life. Ciao. Ciao. We did the podcast, and now it's the what happens next is this is fading out.